Hi guys, welcome back to the RLS podcast, episode 15 of series 2, and we're here with Mr. Ryan Braze, um, top man, he's still, uh, I stole my PT session from the from a Christmas voucher about two years ago, I don't know if you remember that one. <laughs> no, I can't remember that mate, thanks nah, for having me on. I think you won it off the Christmas tree at, um, at Impact, but nah, um, don't think we ever fulfilled that one. <laughs> Impact, boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, mate, um, it was really good to get you on. And I think you're someone that's going to be really interesting to speak to um, because I think a lot of us on um, on Civvy Street, whatever you want to call it, um, don't really understand what goes on in the army. Um, and obviously you just kind of coming out of the of the army just, was it just about a year ago? I just just over a year ago in there. So still sort of transitioning to it. Yeah, um, obviously would have been, would have been, um, would have been hard kind of, coming out of the army straight back into lockdown it would have been a total kind of different lifestyle um must take a lot of time to to kind of adjust to it. i suppose you're probably still adjusting yeah definitely um i was a bit lucky with actually like the job i went in initially when i left uh, i ended up working on a construction site for a bit so that's more of a you know quite a masculine environment and the pattern that was roughly kind of the same so Aye, that made it easier, I think, definitely. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a lot of character building working in a place like that, hard graft and yeah. similar sort of mindsets to a lot of the people there. Uh, if I was to go into an office job where, you know, that would have been a totally different story, I think I would have struggled with that. And yeah. glad I didn't. <laughs> yeah, mate. So give us a little kind of background into you. Um, how did you How did you get into the army? Um, how did you kind of find your feet in, in like fitness and, and the gym and stuff like that to start off with? <sighs> Well, well, I used to be a bit of a fat kid when I was younger. Like, uh, sports wasn't really my thing. Fitness, I attempted playing football. I couldn't get in any teams. I was hopeless. Like, <laughs> uh, took up boxing. That's where I started getting fit. Uh, and then shortly after, I left school. Um, I actually ended up joining the navy initially. Um, I was sixteen year old, just young and dumb. Walked in the careers office. The, the boy told me some amazing stories about all the places he'd visited. All these, I uh, just all over the world, and I thought, oh, this sounds amazing. I love a bit of that. Um, the job wasn't really for me, to be honest. I just didn't feel at home there. Uh, did some commando training, got a serious injury on that. Uh, then at 19, I transferred over to the army, and I was there ever since uh, in the Black Watch. Right. Um, and obviously, fitness to the army and Marines is a lot. Uh, it's a lot more similar. It's a lot more different than the Navy. Like in the Navy, you don't even have to do PT. Like physical training, obviously, um, but armies say you have to do it every morning, um, and it's a lot tougher than that as well. A lot of running-based stuff. Yeah. I'm sure we'll touch on that later on. Um, I physically demanding on the body, definitely. Um, I feel prehistoric. Like yeah. a lot of guys I know that are in the army, like that are in their mid twenties, they look they look about ten years older. Just the stress that goes through your body, poor nutrition, poor sleep, you know, and talking about gym like going to the gym and stuff like that, like weightlifting, that's hard to really progress in the army because it's so so cardio-based. And then yeah. you go through periods where you're not training as well, so it's, it's just a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, and I think this is what we kind of wanted to really delve into. Um, something I actually yeah. have not a scooby about. The the height of my kind of knowledge into this stuff would be three Ant Middleton books, but um, I'm not sure what your kind of views on that are. Um, but first thing I wanted to ask you were, what are the what are the initial requirements and the kind of the tests and stuff like that that you'll be doing 
to actually get into the army? Because um, I've heard some stories, but I'm not really sure how, how it all works. It has recently changed, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask on that, but I'll go by what it was when I joined in up until like six months, a year ago, um, till, until I left. It was um, just all rounds. You would do a personal fitness test, so that's a mile and a half run. Um, and you have to do that in 10 minutes, 30. Uh, or you could do equivalent to that, 10-1 or 10-2 on the bleak test, I believe. Um, 45 press-ups. 60 sit-ups that's your personal fitness assessment and then you have to do a combat fitness test as well uh, that's 8 miles in 2 hours carrying 25 kilograms including your water and all that as well uh, and a rifle so that's, right, okay. that's really just a walk to be honest mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people crumble when they're not conditioned to that sort of training but it's all that's all built up to when you're in training so you start off doing the basics like in the gym runs and trainers and you're built up to that. There's an actual structure to the training during mm -hmm. basic training that builds you up to that sort of stuff. So you don't you don't start off like that. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. That's the that's that. But now I do like it's changed now, and it's um it's more to suit your job. So if you're going to be infantry, which is fighting, you'll you'll be doing the hardest fitness tests, which is similar yeah. to that which I mentioned there. But um, the sort of deviate away from that for stuff like being a driver, for example, or a chef. I mean. You don't need to be able to do that, you know what I mean? So it's more relevant yeah. to your job title. But, you know, personal pride's a big thing, really, because if the fitness assessments are cool like that, then it's easy to pass. And you'll get a lot of people that are out of shape. And, like, that's something that used to bug me. Yeah. See, I've seen people out of shape wearing uniforms. It's embarrassing to be associated with people like that. So yeah. I think lack of personal pride's a big thing in the army these days. Yeah, it's. Um, I think, from my understanding, speaking to a couple of people, they're getting... it's. it's going from being less kind of right, like everyone's doing this, it's going to make it as hard as we possibly can to, there's a, bit, a little bit more kind of theory and a little bit more kind of knowledge from like a strength and conditioning coaches in there. I don't know if that's more something that they kind of, an avenue that the army have went down a little bit more recently. Um, yeah, but it's, in the PT program, when it comes to strength training and stuff like that, it's more just a one size fits all sort of thing and it doesn't work. Right. Okay. Yeah. I've been involved in those sessions where they'll do a strength circuit, and it's just they'll be like a sixty kilo for a deadlift, then a, a twenty kilo, and that's it. Right. Okay. Like, yeah. You're just doing round it. It's, no, it's it's poor. Um, the best sort of strength and condition training you would do in the army is if you've had a really bad injury. Right. Uh, okay. And they build you up to it, and you go over ERI physios, and they sort you right out. You also share a well. When I was doing it, we were sharing a gym with uh, Inverness Galley Thistle. All right. Okay. So. Their physio, we're getting their physio in that as well, which was really good because mm. you know he's treating professional footballers, so we got that sort of treatment as well, which is really good. But then, as soon as you're fit and able, it's like they just hoy you straight back into the, the battlefield, sort of again, yeah. and you're just getting smashed. So, there's no build up to that, it's just straight in. You do your gym tests, and once you're fit, that's you straight into it. Right, yeah. Okay, cool. Mm. So, it's <laughs> obviously something from an outsider that would be interested in is. Obviously, with kind of being in the Black Watch, what would you say was the the hardest kind of most like grueling kind of um, how would you say it like expedition you ever done or challenge or part of training that you've ever done? Um, probably it's it always usually comes on career courses uh, that I've had my hardest moments. Um, obviously, that's when you're tested to your absolute limits on that. Uh, did the section commanders course down in uh, on Junior Brecon. 
Um, that's down in uh, Wales. Right, so a, a small town. It's probably about the size of Brecon, actually. A wee place at uh, Brecon, Brecon, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, aye, but you're, you're out in this Brecon Beacons all the time or Senny Bridge training area. And it's just one of these places that's just full of bogs, big hills, sheep, sheep shit. <laughs> and it's, it's one of these places that has a permanent rain cloud all over it. And like most places you do training in the army, it's always places like that. Yeah. Or Otterburn near Northumberland or Gaylockhead. Your Helensburg, that place is just horrible. So you always do it in the worst conditions possible. So if you can do it there, you can do it anywhere. That's the kind yeah. of mentality for the training. But um, I just like, what test would I done? It was my second exercise, tactical exercise on this juniors course. And it was five nights, four nights in the field. And uh, you're just out all day doing section attacks. So it's hard time to explain that in civvy terms. So, so yeah. basically, you'll be assessed as your, uh, and your leadership as an eight-man team. And um, so there'll be, there'll be guys playing enemy, like the bad guys. So let's say you're patrolling along in a line and then enemy jumps out 300 metres away, let's say, on top of a hill. And then you'll come under fire because he's shooting blanks here. Then you all get down and start shooting back at him to keep his head down. From there, whoever's in employment of being the section commander, he's to get down and then look, see what's going on. And he'll do his estimate and you'll come up with a plan about how they're going to take him down. Right, um, okay. If it was close, it would be you'd roll over the top of him. So you'd be pepper potting, as in you'd split into uh, two teams. Four would provide cover and fire, whilst the other four would sprint towards him. I, for three to five seconds, then they'd be down and then, then they'd provide cover for them. You just do that. Or yeah. you'd leave four in what was called a fire support position. So they would get down and, and uh, suppress him to keep his head down and then you'd be running or crawling typically through a little gully. It's just, oh, it's an absolute hangout on the lungs. Like, so when that's done, you're fucked. Yeah. And you'll get a big debrief after it. And then bear in mind, you're being assessed on this as the, as the commander. That's you done. So mm-hmm. then you'll you'll go back into the squad and then the next guy will take over. So like eight years will go through that and that takes all day doing that. So you'll be running about like a headless chicken all day, absolutely shattered. It's like doing interval training all day pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, uh, you'll get back, we'd go back to our uh, forest where we're staying and then you'll spend the entire night digging, no rest. If right, you're not okay. digging, if you're not digging, you're running about, you're, you're cooking for the boys, getting food on or you're, resupplying ammo and water or if you're not doing that you'll be uh, providing sentry cover so camp security pretty much mm-hmm. and then you'll get up in the morning you'll pack all your shit and you're carrying about 40-50 kilos in a bergen and then you'll walk about 10-15k to the next wood block set up a camp there more digging and then you'll go out and do attacks again and you just repeat that constantly so you probably get about I think it was about three hours sleep in the whole week I got Yeah, and, you're just, and then you get back on the Friday to the camp get showered, you've got the weekend off. Instead of catching up on sleep, what do you do? Go out. <laughs> I straight out all weekend and then right back to it Monday. And that was that was my life for about four months. But it was good at the time, though. Time flew by. I enjoyed it. That was yeah. the last time I did some proper soldiering because I ended up leaving in a year and a half after that. But no, it was a good time, but it was horrific at the time. <laughs> yeah, I think it's quite hard for like just normal people to, to fathom that. Like even just the fact of the lack of sleep thing, Forget about all the the running about with Bergens and all the weight. People just like right. even for myself, like I even find it hard. Like holy shit, that amount of sleep in four or five days is it just feels ridiculous. Like 
if I lose oh. one hour sleep, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, what am I doing today? <laughs> yeah, you would do a, you would get plans out, so they'd have like a, a model made out of mud, like a makeup of the map. Yeah. So you'd make you'd you'd make a higher clumps of mud for the gradients, and then little bits of grass that would make up bushes or whatever. You know what I mean? Like trees and that. Yeah. Um. So that would that's when you're getting your orders about what's going to happen next. But see when that's happening, that's what a time where you're sitting there, meant to be writing it down when the boss is talking. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when the time I've seen I've seen grown men like fall asleep on their feet. I tell folk <laughs> that and they're like, shut up, no way. You don't fall asleep standing up. It's, honestly, I've seen people fall asleep standing up. I've done it. Fell asleep yeah. standing up. And oh just mental. Eh? <laughs> yeah. I think this is the most interesting thing. It's just the it's, it's almost unfathomable for a lot of people. Um but what I want to ask you about you ask you about next is probably just such a, a basic question that you get asked all the time. Like what would you say is the one of the kind of craziest things you've ever done, but not necessarily crazy, like probably the the thing where you're like, wow, that was that was unbelievable or that was ridiculous. Uh, tell you what, son, basic, jumping out of the plane for the very first time. That was quite daunting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was down in uh, Salisbury plane. Uh, no, I remember doing that and I was like feeling really nervous before it, like, because you do all the training, the build up, you know, um, use your drills for jumping out of a uh, a plane so you start off your first few jumps is with a static line so um it just comes out automatically so all you need to do is jump you don't need to pull your cord or like that you build up to that and um i i just remember being i absolutely shite myself because i thought that would be fine and then when when the plane rocked up it was like right on you go i was like oh fuck this i looks like a shit wee plane like like it's just yeah. falling apart in a thunderstorm <laughs> um no i remember like i was like oh i'll just go to the back of the queue and I was the last one to get on the plane. And I mind the boys saying, right, you're the last one on, so that means you'll be the first off. And I was like, oh, my God. Fucked <laughs> it here. <laughs> and uh, but it's, I thought as time went on, jumping out, it got easier. So when you start off low, you're only about, I think the lowest jump you do is three and a half thousand feet at static line. Mm-hmm. And uh, that wasn't, at the time, the hardest one I thought was pulling my own cord, though, definitely. So the first jump I... You're shiting yourself, but once it's over in a flash, like you jump yeah. out, and the next thing you know, you're just floating about, chilling in the, in the air. Yeah, you have to make sure you aim to land in the right place, otherwise, you've got a long run back to the center. We do it again, yeah. But again, it was just a build up to jumping it out because we waited for and I remember it was really foggy when we're doing it, so we were doing the training inside and going to gym and stuff because there was nothing else to do because it's foggy outside, mm-hmm. and uh, that means the plane couldn't get out. So I think it was to Thursday, so we're there from for two weeks in that centre and we didn't jump until the Thursday so the, the constant waiting and I never waiting and I was oh we're finally going to jump and then it got called off last minute again I was like oh, this is getting annoying now yeah, so when it came to doing it I was like alright let's get it on with. but it, it became easier after that but again the fear kicked in when it was so you would do that and you get a dummy cord a big orange cord and you just so they can see you proving that you've pulled your own cord you have to get three perfect jumps in a row before they could trust you to do it yourself. Right. If you got one wrong, you'd be back to the start. So, aye, nightmare. I remember the first time then, I was like, oh, shit, I'm shitting myself. Just again, <laughs> just the fear kicks in. But I think it's just adrenaline. You just It just clicks in. You do what you think. You do everything perfectly. You've practiced. Yeah. muscle memory in that as well. I think just when the pressure's on, that's when you, like they say, training always seems to kick in, like it has done for a lot of things I've done in the military. Yeah, for sure, mate. And the, 
where kind of I mean another question is like where where in the world have you been like where have you been kind of like posted out to uh, so well in my younger days when I was in the Navy I like Dubai Italy Barcelona all over the North Arabian Gulf areas there's some crap countries there like Oman uh, and just Iraq when I was in the army mm-hmm. Iraq we went to France Kenya and that as well actually yeah so quite yes. some good places and some crap places but a lot of hot weather, a lot of shite weather. <laughs> Just yeah. a big mixed bag, really. And when people say, like, you get to actually see parts of the world, do, do you actually feel like you've experienced different cultures? Do you feel like you've actually seen different places? Or do you feel like it's very, like, you're going there for a for a job and there's nothing else to kind of, there's no distractions? In the good places I've went, it's just been, you only really remember it because you're only there. In places that have only been there for a couple of days at a time, you're just out on the piss there. You don't actually get a chance to sample the culture. Right, um, yeah. Kenya, get, you get a bit more of that, actually. Um, Iraq and that as well. Just the local culture, really. But, it's, but even in Iraq, I was on an American base when yeah. I was there. And it's more American culture, if anything. And yeah. You're well looked after on there, anyway, because Americans are just different gravy compared to us. All the stuff they have. Like, if we yeah. weren't doing patrols or um, training the local nationals, you'd be, you'd be in the gym. And like, because it was so hot, we'd go out at like, we'd deploy at like three in the morning and we'd be back for like 12, one, one o'clock in the afternoon, which was decent. Right. So you got an earlier finish out there. Good good routine you had going on. So you'd be eating American food and right. uh, just smashing the gym and that as well. But if you, if you want to, if you want to massively active and burning off a shitload of calories, like you'd come back to there 20 stone easily because yeah. the ants just, there's none of this shit you get in the British Army where it's like, tasteless vegetables rock solid potatoes and a, a tiny bit of a chicken leg with about 10 grams of protein in it if you're lucky now it's yeah. over there it's like steaks burgers just everything every night it's, oh, it's living the dream over there <laughs> yeah so that was the next question i wanted to actually come on to was um nutrition in the army um as you say i'm sure you've experienced different standards um but what would you say like as a as a whole and what's been your experience with that terrific Absolutely horrific. Um, it's it's no fault of the army and their chefs. I tell you, the army chefs are actually really good, but it's just the, down to the funding. They get no funding, like the whole, like the rest of the army. There's no money in the army. It's skin. That's why nowadays they don't do all this food training going away and that. It's always just same old shittles and whales and Otterburn. Like nobody, yeah. you don't join up to do that. But that's just the way it is now, just because the army's skin. So, I nutrition. Um, it's Sodexo that run a lot of it so it's actual civilians that run the kitchens there right um most a lot of guys cook their own food but ugh, you end up getting in trouble for that you know they could trust you all, all this weaponry and all these gadgets but they're not allowed to have a toaster in your room and stuff like that <laughs> it's just madness but yeah the foods ugh. so breakfast lunch and dinner breakfast usually a fry up and it's all shite uh just pure fat just looking at it um there's usually a bowl of cereal but they'll charge you like they'll charge you could have a massive fry up with toast and you'll get charged the same for having a bowl of cereal stuff like that. it's just mental it's oh, pays you dining all that as well so aye, it's shite um no the food's terrible there uh lunch should be like what is there they used to sometimes do baguette bars and that uh but it's just your standard burgers and chips and that all the time chips with every meal uh and evening times, 
there's usually a veggie option there. That's as healthy as it gets there. And it's all just like loads of roast potatoes or chips every night for dinner and that as well. Um, you'll get a, your main protein option. It'd just be your standard a steak or a chicken. It's, it's never a chicken breast. And the steak's always tiny, about the size of a Mars bar. It's, everything's just small and shite. Uh, yeah. And then there's desserts that are been sitting there for weeks. Uh, Gordon Ramsay would have a field day in there anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, that's your... Obviously, you said it's down to the... To the funding and stuff like that but it is it's kind of it's kind of worrying because these are the guys that are out kind of like fighting for the country and you want these guys to be well fed like what you've just described like five minutes ago with the some of the kind of the training that you're doing like these guys are probably like underfed quite a bit or just like malnourished <laughs> to a certain extent like this is yeah from what you've described it doesn't seem like it's enough it doesn't seem like it's sufficient for guys that are doing this much work yeah lack of it and men Vitamins and minerals, uh, lack of protein, There's plenty of carbs. That's one thing, but it's all just saturated shit in that as well. Uh, high calorie, because you do see it. Like, see if somebody gets injured, and they continue eating like that food. Like they put the, the pile the weight on. That, I've, that's yeah. happened to me before. Actually, when you go away, sometimes the food's good. When it's just you and your army chefs, and you've been looked after financially, yeah. to see it, like a two week exercise abroad or something like that. That the chefs can be good then. And they do. The best of what they got, uh, and when you're on exercise, it's just the uh, rations. So mm-hmm. that's horrendous as well. I mean, I think officially you're not allowed to be on rations for more than ten days because meant to fuck you up. Yeah. So I, I just clog you up eating all that. It's like you ever had a takeaway before? Do you feel like shite after it? Like some yeah. sort of dominoes come down. I you feel like that after most meals in the army. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. In a bad way, it's it's not good. Like uh, I remember the amount of times that on camp. I'd be wanting to go and train at night and just feel crappy. Like, yeah. It's like indigestion for like three hours after eating every meal just because all the oil in that is in it. You see it. You see like a, a tray of potatoes and it's just like, if you take the potatoes away, you'd see like a swimming pool of oil sitting there. It's bogging like. Yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> no, exactly. So yeah, next question I wanted to ask you as well was, how do you think that your time in the army, your time in the Navy has kind of served you moving forward in terms of just general kind of resilience and, and mindset and just that general robustness to, to normal life? Uh, personal pride's a big thing and teamwork would be another one. So when you're going through shit times together, because you've got your mates left and right here there, you just get through it together. Mm-hmm. The amount of times I've sat down with some army mates and you talk about a shit time from years ago, like I'm trying to think off the top of it. I remember one time we were stuck on this mountain side in uh, Jordan and it was absolutely freezing. I frozen at the bone and uh, we didn't have our shelters with us because because of drivers hours and safety and all that crap. The drivers weren't allowed to drive without X amount of hours of sleep to deliver us them. So we had to make do with what we got. And we just had little rucksacks with ammo, water and a bit of food. So like, you're, you're sitting there and it's like minus five or something, Baltic, pissed wet through, wet, and you're just sitting spooning each other at night time to try and sleep. <laughs> Grown men, it's like, this is just absolutely embarrassing. But you look back at times like that and just laugh the steak there at the girl. You just, no matter what it throws at you, you just get through it. It's just, you just yeah. crack on. That's literally just it. And uh, so that's teamwork. And then personal pride. Like you just, I think because you're in the military, you wouldn't want to appear weak in front of anyone. That's the good thing that's built up. They make you feel like you're 10 feet tall, so it's like, oh, 
I don't want to show any sort of weakness whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's personal pride is a big thing in that as well, definitely. Yeah, class. And how do you then find that? How have you found the adjustment initially? Obviously, coming back into the UK in lockdown, um, how have you found that kind of that transition mentally? Has it been something that you've actually struggled with, or has it been something you've kind of just it's been easy? Uh, I it's, it's just the being my own man again. But I uh, I spent a lot of time at home in my final six months. I was sent on garden leave because I had some personal issues going on. So um, they gave me some time off, and that actually was a big helping hand. So. Mm-hmm. I'll always be grateful for that. Um, that helped me sort of settle into the mood because I was basically sat at home doing nothing for six months and getting paid off them. So I yeah. did have time to try a couple of jobs in between then whilst I was still getting paid by the army. So I, I tried, like all my mates working oil and gas and that. Yeah. And uh, I just thought, I just thinking about the money. That's all I was thinking about. I don't actually have a clue what to do. Like my yeah. brother's worked in oil and gas all his life and I still couldn't tell you what he actually does day to day. I, I, yeah. I just... I just have so little interest in it, I can't take it in. And uh, so I tried oil and gas, got into a job there in the last about a month. I was like, I, I don't like this at all. It's just not for me. Totally out of place. Uh, I worked for Amazon as a delivery driver. I thought, oh, that'll be no bad. Uh, quit that after one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, just, uh, just finding it. But I've always in, I was always into fitness and I thought, ah, you know what, I'll try this. Because I wanted to be a physical trainer instructor in the army at one point. But... Um, I got uh, arrested the weekend, the second weekend before the course started. Right, okay. And uh, the major who was in charge of my company said, right, fuck you, you're not going on that course. And uh, I never really pursued it again after that. So that'll be that. <laughs> right, okay. Um, no, but I was an instructor in the army as well. So that, you know, that helped me a lot for coming out and doing the PT role, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how are you enjoying PT now? You're obviously totally kicking off with it now, getting busy. Yeah, it reminds me of my younger days in the, the military where I, actually, I was actually keen. I actually loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's, I, the best way I've explained it before in a, a previous post on my social media was uh, that uh, Monday mornings and Friday afternoons feel the same to me. I don't get that feeling where I need to get the fuck out there on a Friday night. Yeah. And uh, I'm not dreading Monday morning, snoozing my alarm, and I'm going to bed as late as I can on a Sunday night because I don't want Monday to come. It's not like that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so that- it's good. That's don't lift I don't live to work you know what I mean yeah that's all that's been the, the biggest thing for me as well the past couple of years, well the past year or so I am um, just like like yourself like I during lockdown was working at Amazon um in the in the warehouse and I honestly you're counting down every single minute you're counting down oh. every single day to get it to end but like now when you get into a job like this and look it's not it's not for everyone not everyone has the same attitude as yourself and I um but if you can get into a job where it's like, as you've just said, where you don't, your weekend isn't like your pinnacle. You don't live for those one to two days of the week and you can actually kind of, all seven days of the week, actually feel like you can live them. Um, I think that's a really powerful thing and a really great place to be in. Um, yeah. So what's, what would be your, um, what's your kind of plans for the future with PT? Or are you still kind of just taking it every day as it comes? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm just settling. I'm, I'm still obviously very junior to the industry. Uh, that's not even a full year I've done yet. So I just just take it as it comes. It's my first January, but I've been getting busier gradually. Mm-hmm. Well, when I first started off, obviously I got paid off from a job in the sites. And uh, I was lucky that I'd literally just finished my course. I just had to do my, my final assessment. So it was just yeah. the timing was perfect for me. 
So I got that battered out and uh, I started doing a bit of work for uh, Robbie in transition. After a month, I got fully called and just started taking on clients straight away. But obviously, because I was a, I think it's best, if I was to recommend it to anyone who wanted to get into it, I'd say go part-time first till you build a client base. Yeah. I, I did it with, I was like sort of just doing that on the side and so it was a bit of a nightmare. But luckily I had some savings to keep me at bay. But I got a bit mm. comfy, comfy with it and I was like, I enjoy this actually. I don't want to get a job now. I can't be asked. So yeah. I just sort of, I just, just scraped by. But I've been getting better the last few months. And towards the end of the year, last year, I was going all good. And now it's January, so it's getting even busier now. So just happy enough with that. Quality, mate. And um, would you say you've got any kind of like plans for, for the future, for the near future, for the, for the long-term, long-term future? Uh, um, I was looking at, uh, this is before actually, even went into the PT. I really wanted to be a firefighter. Okay. And uh, now that I've been doing PT, I, I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm a wee bit on the fence about it now because I was thinking what I can do is, because in the firefighters, you do full time, you do four on, four off. And then every seven rotations that are, I believe, you get uh, three weeks off. Okay. And then, and, then, and that's not including your holidays here. So I thought, oh, I could, I could, I could manage to do both. But now that I'm getting, getting busier and busier, I'm like, hmm, I don't know if I'd be able to do that. But I'm really passionate for both things. You know yeah. what I mean? So, but it's, it's a win-win situation for me. Yeah, so that's what I say. It's a solid position stick to be in. I'll stick with the PT for now. You know what I mean? I'll stick it out for now, and if that happens, I'll I'll maybe have a think about it when it comes. But I'm I'm very happy doing this, so I don't see that changing anytime in the near future. Love it, mate. Um, last question I usually ask everyone. Um, I didn't kind of put this to you, so hopefully you've got one off the top of your head. Any podcast, book, series recommendations um, that you come off the top of your head and no, we can't pick Rangers season 2020-2021 that doesn't count <laughs> uh, I'm not a massive podcast listener to be honest uh, no. I do listen uh, Anything Goes with James English I really like right, that okay. mm-hmm. uh, um, he just interviews a lot of people like um, a lot of ex-cons ex-football hooligans it's not always stuff like that he, the boy for Love Island was on it a couple of weeks ago, talking about mental health and that. Joel Calzaghi, so he's, he's, he's the names are getting bigger and bigger. Like, so that's really good if you're into stuff like that. Um, he talk, he talks a lot about mental health and stuff like that because I think he used to be a bit of a bit of a, an arsehole when he was younger, but he's built his life back up. Uh, and open goal as well. You you know about that one? Yeah, yeah, Simon yeah. Ferry and that. <laughs> right, that's a good crack. That I went to see that live actually. A good laugh, but it turned into a selling show because. Gravison was just going on about them all the time, so I was like, I'm going to leave. <laughs> right, leave early, go, go and get a pint. <laughs> I can. Right, that's about it, podcast-wise. Like. But, no, mate, I think we've pretty much covered um, the majority of stuff we were going to go over, and, um, yeah, it's been... I've learned a lot. I've um, was kind of just a totally... Just totally had a blank sheet as to what was going on in the Army of Nutrition and the gym and stuff like that. But anything else you kind of wanted to, to discuss? Are you all good? Yeah, like uh, I think it's a hard one to point out uh, in the army. Uh, like when it comes to resistance training, like so. Yeah, yeah. For example, I could be like when you're away, it's it's a work hard, play hard job. So let's say you're away on exercise for six weeks. That's like hard going. Like you're on your feet twenty two hours a day, grafting. Mm-hmm. Then you could be doing pre pre deployment training. Then you're going away on deployment. Then it could be it just sort of rotates around. You know, you know what your forecast events are, like two years in advance. So then you could end up on camp for for a block of time, like a month, mm-hmm. six weeks. And that's meant to be your downtime, but because the army's so undermanned now, 
the workload stayed the same and boys are just burnt out of so yeah. you're six weeks on camp you'd be going to the gym at night you'd be getting good progress let's say I'm getting up to 160 on the bench or something like that smashing it and then boom I'm away for six weeks in the yeah. field malnourished and then I've come back and I've lost 50k on the bench yeah. and I'm a bit fucking tense thrown later <laughs> no, just a nightmare so that's just that's just the way the army though you know what I mean it's, it's impossible to keep a good r- routine going and unless you're in like unless you're in the Royal Logistics Corps or even the RAF, Christian. Yeah. <laughs> They've got an easy life. I listened yeah. to that one, actually. I was like, fucking yeah, yeah. RAF. Living in Hilton yeah. hotels. <laughs> uh, um, nah, but- nah, it must be hard. I suppose you kind of, there'll be a lot of occasions where an extra resistance training session on top of kind of what you're doing throughout the day might actually just be like a bit too much. Um, but I'm sure you'll also have that kind of, that desire to want to do it, but you'll probably be... Yeah at that point of almost overtraining. Yeah, definitely overtraining is definitely one because, again, like, if I'm following, like, something basic, like push-pull legs, for example, so just three days a week, um, I'd, let's say I'm doing a leg session. Now, my PT program changes weekly in the army. So let's say it would be, I don't know, Monday morning, a six-mile run. Tuesday would be a big circuit session. If you're on camp, we used to get Wednesday afternoons off to play a sport of your choice or just right. go to the gym if you wanted. So that was decent. Um, Thursday would be a circuits again or battle PT, which is just running about with logs, crawling, fireman carries, all that sort of shit. And then every Friday was called CO's PT. And that was just an absolute hound and really hard training. Yeah. So you'd always build up to that. So you'd never do legs on a Thursday. But then if the PT, so you'd always do legs at the start of the week, you'd aim to do that, so they're not absolutely fragged for that, because it's, it's a competition sort of thing on the Friday as well, if you let your team down because you do legs. like There's a lot of people in the army that just stick to their normal PT and they don't like weightlifting, yeah. they're like, oh, you need to do that. They just do battle fit, that's all they care about is being a fit soldier, so yeah. they hate all these, queen, all these queens that go to the gym. Right. So, um, aye, so a lot of boys end up top heavy for it and that as well. But um, So let's say I'm doing legs on a Monday, but then the following week, I've got a big run on the Tuesday. I'm not going to do legs the night before that. You know, it's it's just a, it's just like I said, it's just so hard trying to get into stuff like that as well. Yeah, be impossible to kind of to plan this all out when you don't really know exactly what you're doing on a weekly basis. It's just kind of thrown at you. Um, so now, nah, mate, that's um, that's incredible. Thank you for thank you for coming on and um, and just chatting. Um, yeah, I'm I'm sure I'll I'll pop through to transition at some point and. Uh, get a wee session in um, mind you I'm not sure I want to come to that session where you bring the bucket out <laughs> <laughs> I definitely know no, I'll be good. see if I've got the steams for that one anyway yeah smash it mate but no mate incredible thank you very much for coming on um, and yeah you'll be welcome back at any point so I'll catch you in a bit mate yeah thanks for having me on mate pleasure thank you I'll see ya <laughs>